Eam is a podcast that proves women can still be strong and influential while being godly and humble. Eam streams anywhere you listen to your music and podcasts. If you like what you hear, visit our website, eamisher.wixsite.com for more resources. Okay, so um, moving on now to the next part of the wedding. First of all, what's the precise moment during the ceremony that you become one? And then also, like, how did it feel in the moment? Did you feel different? How did it feel? I'm curious. So the moment, first of all, there is technically a moment. uh, And I I did actually have to consult with my husband to ask him this question because I thought it was interesting. I I don't think I ever, I mean, I have been told in the past because I remember like an uncle like nudging me in a wedding saying, this is the important part. This is where they become (laughs) one. But then at another wedding, somebody told me a different part. I'm like, so which one is it? You know, is it this part or that part? (laughs) And so I clarified with Abuna today. And um, he said to me that it is at the crowning. It is when the bride and groom um, play their head together the crowns are placed on the heads and it is the descent of the holy spirit so it is when the holy spirit descends that's the mystery right that right there and then Mm -hmm. is the mystery is when the holy spirit descends and um and there's beautiful things that are said it says crown them with glory and honor O father and the the people say amen Bless them, O only begotten Son, and the people say, Amen. Sanctify them, O Holy Spirit, and the people say, Amen. So we are invoking the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Um, and it is at that moment that the mystery uh, takes place and uh, the two become one. Uh, and that's, I mean, with all the with all the sacraments, there is that descent of the Holy Spirit and it is at that moment that the mystery takes place. How did it feel? So it's funny remember? that you asked that exact moment. I honestly don't, um, I don't think I remember that exact moment. I was just so, like, I was so happy uh, during my my whole ceremony. People talk about the jitters and being nervous. No, I was, I was not nervous, like, one tiny little fraction. I was just so happy. I was rushing everybody at home saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's, like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm like, more than ready. Let's, I want to get, let's get to, you know, let's get to the church. I'm ready to get married. I was so on time that the priest hadn't arrived yet at the church. And I had to wait. I was told to wait in the car because, and I'm no. like, I don't, and they're like, people aren't here. I'm like, it doesn't matter. All I need is my groom. Is he here? Because, like, I'm ready to get married. They're like, no, really, Abuna's not here, so you can't get married yet. <laughs> I'm like seriously so I had, oh. to, I had to wait and I was just I just remember I was just so I was so happy I was marrying my best friend we were starting our lives together uh we had been we had a long engagement so it was just like let's you know let's do this and um the whole the whole ceremony was very special to me we got married on one of the hottest days of the summer and there was no air conditioning Wonderful. in the church wow. and um so we were yeah, anyway, I won't go into the technicality, but anyway, there was no air conditioning. So the night before the wedding, we made paper fans for everybody. And so, and like these white paper fans. And so every, because we knew it was going to be super hot. And I just remember looking out into the, to the church and seeing everybody, they were sweating to death. We had fans <laughs> on us. So I didn't feel any heat. <laughs> like I was totally fine. <laughs> But my whole, like, our family and friends were fainting. And they're just, like, fanning and fanning and fanning. And I just looked out. I'm like, it looks so beautiful. It just looks like <laughs> angel wings are all over the place. You know, and they're dying. And we were fine. All the 
I don't know about Abuna how he was doing because he had the cape on, right? So I'm not sure <laughs> how he was, oh, yeah. but I just remember we were fine because they were afraid we were going to faint. So they kept they kept the fans on us. So I just remember being like really soaking in every moment. It wasn't just that moment that, that I loved. I loved every single moment. I was, we really uh, talked ahead of time about praying, actually praying and being present in the ceremony and not trying to orchestrate anything, you know, during the ceremony, not trying to, you know, order people around while we're, or like pose like for each camera that comes <laughs> and make sure that, you know, we have a good smile. Like, I mean, I'm sure we smiled at cameras, but, but we really wanted to take in the words and, and take in every moment because you, you know, it's usually just one. <laughs> so uh, hopefully just one time that you're going to go through it. And it's, uh, and it's it's beautiful to really just take in that, be present, be really, really present in, in that moment. Yeah, definitely. So how did you use your engagement to prepare for that moment? Did you guys read any books or study something together? Yeah, we did. So we, um, one of the books that was given to us for our engagement was A Pathway to Holiness. And it's, um, it's an Eastern Orthodox book, but it's kind of like a synexarium of married saints. So it's super, super Dude, cool. That's but amazing. We, yeah, it's really, really cool. So we would read those stories together. So the first part of the book is going through the Eastern Orthodox ceremony, which we still read because it was still interesting and not everything applies to us. Obviously there's some differences, but it was still beautiful to he hear the, you know, the holiness of the ceremony. And then we just loved reading those stories of the saints and it was just neat. And it was actually given to us by a priest for, I think it was for our engagement. And so from our engagement, we're reading the stories. Uh, I do recommend it. It's really nice because it's like, wow, what are you talking about? They're married people that are saints. You know, is that even possible? <laughs> I thought they all were monks and nuns, right? So what that taught us right from the start is marriage is, that's what it's called, marriage as a path to holiness. That's what it was. So mm -hmm. marriage... Um, and, and it's, it sounds obvious now, but maybe at the time, and maybe for many people, even that are listening, don't realize that marriage is a path to holiness, right? And of course it would be, we just talked about how you have to deny yourself, how you're submitting, how you're, you know, dying to yourself, letting Christ be at the head of all that you think and do and say. So obviously that is the ultimate goal and, and, you know, how you're going to be led to holiness. And so to do this, um, in a marriage is really beautiful. And it's nice to see these, uh, these saint examples of these couples and, and, and their path to holiness through marriage. And the important thing is that our, our becoming one, you know, that whole idea of becoming one, it actually begins with the engagement. The engagement used to not be called engagement. It was a betrothal. And a betrothal is actually part of the wedding ceremony. There's the, you, you do a piece of the, of the ceremony and it's that betrothal. So it actually starts there. That, that time is your becoming one. We made as our engagement verse. I remember the, the, the verses were really important to us, our choosing. And the one that we chose, I think it was second Samuel 18. And it was talking about uh, David and Jonathan, uh, because they were best friends, and I married my best friend, and it talks about, uh, the, the verse says, and their souls were knit together, and I remember us discussing at that point is that the knitting started on that day, on the day of our betrothal, uh, the knitting began. It wasn't that the knitting began on our wedding day. The knitting began at our betrothal, and it, and it continued, and I think it continues. It still continues. Um, we are still, you know, growing and growing and, and growing, um, um, together because it's 
so much changes. Like you, you, you change, you know, a lot happens while you're in your marriage, you know, to around you and to you. And so that, that knitting continues to form you. Beautiful. We talked about the two souls knit in one of our previous episodes. Oh, did you? Yeah. After that day, how did you feel like this oneness carry on? this unity? How did it persist throughout your lives? Yeah. So our whole goal in life is loving union with Christ, right? That's our goal is to become one with him. And so throughout marriage, um, we continue that, that bond of love is to uh, continue that unity. And so again, for us, I guess it's just a daily, it's a daily thing of continuing that union, working again together to constantly choose each other, to love him more and more. Like you said at the beginning, it's been 20 years for us. And, you know, I thought I loved him so much back then on my wedding day or, you know, in the year to follow. But I, how I know him now, 20 years later, I, I think, man, you didn't even know him back then compared to how I obviously know him now. And I love him even more now today than, than I did back then, you know, but it's because we have gone through crazy life situations together. We have gone through some major extreme and difficult things together and, and doing that together, working through them together. That's what makes us even more one, more one-minded. But there's a key in this. You don't become one in that you are one person. We are still individuals. We are still two people. And if you think of it like the example that we were given with the Trinity, the Trinity is three persons in one, right? The Holy Spirit is, is an individual. Jesus is an individual and the Father's individual. They have individual characteristics and yet they are one, right? And it's the same in our marriage. I am very different than my husband. We have different giftings. We have different things that we like, uh, different music. You know, we're different. Um, there are certain things that we're very similar in, but there is a lot more that we are uh, that we are different in. And so being that individual, I want to push him to be even better of an individual of himself. I'm not trying to rob him of of anything so that that I'm, I'm taking away from his person and who he is. I want to support him in who he is. And the same is with me. And I think the example I gave you about my job, he was an example of that right from the beginning, that if I had the opportunity for a dream job and it was going to make me excel in my profession, he supported that right from day one. So going back to my point, just like the Trinity is an example of three people in one, our marriage should be the same. And we are three. We are Christ first, or God first, and then the two of us. We are three in one. That's and that again, if I go back to Ecclesiastes, is a threefold cord is not easily broken. That's our threefold cord. And we focused on that actually from the time of our engagement. We actually went to a store and we picked out these um, I don't know if this is cheesy to most people, but like I, I still think it's nice. But we we picked out these three pieces, uh, it was like a beading store. I think I can't even remember, but um, it was actually on the day that he proposed to me. And so we went to a store and we we picked out three actual cords. They were leather cords. And we picked one that was gold, one that was silver, I think, and one like it was painted. And one was, I think it was black anyway. And on the day that it was after he had proposed, we braided them together and we made, I think, I don't know if it was a necklace or a bracelet or something. And it was, and we each got one and it was to remind us forever that a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so each one of those ropes represented each one of us in our, in our trio of our marriage being God at the center. And then each one of us. 
I, I still have it somewhere, but I think I have like a little treasure box of my little, you know, special things. And, and that's, that's one of my special things is my threefold cord. And that was, that's what we carried with us as a reminder. Dude, that's that so question. beautiful. Yeah. No, of no. course it did. No, that was beautiful. <laughs> wow. And the strength of that threefold cord is actually shown in the gospel reading of the sacrament. So it ties in perfectly to our next question. In the gospel reading, Jesus says, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And that goes exactly with what you just mentioned. It is a union of three, God, the husband, and the wife. So in your marital life, how do you feel that seal of union and how are your spiritual lives now connected? Man, I had a hard time at first. I got to tell you, I had a really good thing going, you know, before I was married, it was just me and Jesus. Right. So I had, I had my, my own time. Um, and I'm all about like personal time is very important to me. I made that very well known to him. And he even knows like, even after 20, it didn't even take 20 years, even after the first year, he would know when, when I was getting a little bit too agitated, he's like, I think you need to like, he knew that I wasn't getting like enough of me time and I'm not talking about spa I'm you know I'm not talking about I need to go to the spa I'm talking about like just really grounding time for myself and for my spirit and for my soul and because it took me a lot of a long time actually to figure out how do I go from just you know my relationship with Jesus to now and then there was my relationship with you know my fiance and then how do I join the two and and honestly that took me a long time I found that very difficult because you know if he would say well let's pray together I'm like well I have my prayer time you know like do we need to pray together and then well let's read the bible together well I need my devotion time I like to have my I have a routine and so I want to have my devotion so then do I need to have my own and then have time with you how does this work? You know, like, and I got it to be honest, like we didn't really have mentors. Nobody was really guiding us um, along, along this way. So one thing I would, if this kind of a side note is really find marriage mentors. That's super, super important and choose wisely and choose, start kind of when you're, before you're married so that you choose somebody that you're both very comfortable with because you need like a, a good male role model for for the husband and a good female role model as as a mother and a wife you know well I start with wife and then mother you know like for the future you you need those models and I think as a church too we need to really be doing a better job at providing those marriage models for people so I, I do think that it takes time and it's sometimes difficult. And I would have to piggyback on what um, Alia was saying in the last one is that really talk to have a spiritual guide that you both are going to or a father of confession. Couples do find it helpful sometimes to have the same um, father of confession. Some couples do. Uh, some couples don't. Some couples want, you know, to have individuals, but that's something that you're going to have to work out with your significant other. Uh, we did for a while uh, have the same father confession. There was no problems with that. Like it was good because we were getting the same kind of guidance, you know, the same kind of advice leading down the same path. Because if you've got two different spiritual guides that are from two different schools, like it could cause some, some issues. And so I think there's some wisdom in having the same spiritual guide. Uh, remember your spiritual guide and your father of confession don't have to be the same person. So having that spiritual guide as a married couple is, is okay. And let them guide you through that. Cause you're going to have to kind of take what he, you know, he's got his own routine and you've got your routine and you two kind of have to figure it out together, but really being in the word together is important, but 
you should be already doing that when you're engaged, in my mm -hmm. opinion. So, because uh, that should be a real tester for you, ladies. Is um, is he in his word and is he prayerful? Um, and yes, pray out loud together um, and pray um, and and read the Bible and discuss it. That should be a huge part of your engagement. Um, because you'd, you'd be surprised the things that would come up in your in your engagement from just reading uh, the Bible together. And yeah. I think a question did come up about what we did to prepare for marriage. Um, I told you about marriage as a path to holiness, but we read a lot of pre-marriage books, a lot. Um, and, and I think for, and then after, although we did things alone, after we were married, um, you know, I, I, I had a real calling and a real heart for couples. And so we started a lot of... Um, like pre-marriage small groups and then marital small groups and then family small groups. Like we had all different seasons of life and, uh, and I love them cause I benefit from them. You know, I learned from all the people that were in our, in our groups. And, uh, but one thing feedback that was coming back is that it was super, super helpful, helpful, not just to have, um, you know, mentorship of older couples that have already been married, but also to have peers that are in the same stage of life together. Um, it's super, super helpful. So I'm glad now to be able to offer, for that to other people because we didn't have that in in our lives we were a little bit alone that way but we worked hard together to really find those books and do them together and I guess we were book nerds that way like we would but I I, I think I was um I was worried about marriage to be honest with you I was really concerned because I didn't see tons of great examples uh, around me. And I thought that I would have to be marriage meant being in a cage. And, uh, you know, I kind of had that model of submission, like that's what it means. And I'm not going to be able to uh, be as free of a bird as I as I am. But I was greatly mistaken in that, in first of all, the husband that I did choose is a wonderful godly man who really does die to himself to love me. And he makes it very easy to submit to him because we we really have grown uh, through difficult times and we've gone through difficult seasons, but Christ has always remained at the center. So that's, that's just such a key. So I can't encourage ladies more to really take your time and prayerfully choose, choose your husband. It's not something to be taken lightly at all. I think sometimes our focus on that day is, you know, the outfits, the flowers, the, uh, the photography, you know, how much I spent, <laughs> the guests who arrived, who didn't arrive. And then obviously the, you know, the reception, cause that's where the biggest investment is in, in that reception. And sometimes, you know, we lose our focus and we lose track. And yet there's a huge, like a, a huge and important um, mystery that happens on that day. We received a sacrament. And so it's, it's not to be taken lightly. Now there's this part that always fascinated me right before the priest begins his commandment to the bride. And this is said by the deacon and it's kind of pulled from Psalm 45 or 44 in the Igbeah. And it says, Listen, O bride, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, for your chastity has appealed to your bridegroom, and he is your husband, and to him you will submit. Now what does this mean on a practical level? Because of course the Bible isn't telling us completely forget your parents and forsake everyone who raised you. So how do we balance in the marriage... This idea of uh, continuing to make our husbands the priority while also, you know, continuing to use our parents if we want as role models for our marriage and to help us navigate this whole new life. Yeah, that's that's a good question because that's really important because it's very true, though, is you are not just physically leaving your parents' homes. And I think what's key is you are beginning your own home, your own family. So yes, as a 
as a wife, you carry with you a lot of things that come from your family, how you were taught to do things. You know, the example that I gave about waking up in the morning, that's because my family, we didn't talk in the morning, but his family were very talkative and they were morning people, right? So he brought that in. But we bring in things from our family homes. Some things, you know, are simple and can be, you know, you can kind of pick and choose. Well, this is how my family did it. Well, this is how my family do it. And you can pick which one you want. Um, but some stuff is not very simple. And they may be huge things that are difficult for you. Like, and once you're married, like those big things are not game changers, right? They need to be worked through. So I think part of that is you leave your parents' house, you have to really establish together as a couple. For us, it was easy because we moved to Calgary. So we were far away. We left our people. We literally left our people. And we went and we had nobody. And for a while, I was recommending to people, I'm like, guys, move away. <laughs> you know, um, it's a really good thing for your marriage. Only because, and I think that's part of what this verse is saying, is that establish yourself. Establish how you're going to uh, set up home. You know, establish, just because everybody has, you know, the big screen TV and they go shop at this place, like everybody's got that, you know, like the keeping up with the Joneses type of thing. You don't have to. Is that what you want as a couple? Is that what you think you you should have? Or do you want to be more simple in your in in your life? Or is that your thing also? And you and you have that, you know. Um, what's important to you as a couple, you really need to establish your home as a new home and as a new way, break that mold a little bit and figure out how the two of you are going to choose what you brought from your household and your upbringing and what he's going to bring from his upbringing and how you're going to put it together. So I think that's more of what that means. But it also, I think you have to, I, I give a warning to be careful that you make sure that you guard your, your marriage together. We shouldn't be running back to mama and baba and saying, you know, he did this or he did that. And can you believe? Um, because you really need to work through some of those things. Because if you constantly go back to mama and baba, you may forgive him and forget about it. Mama and baba are not going to forget it very easily, you know, like, so we have to be very careful. Now, now, of course, again, if there are major things that are awful that are happening, you have to have people to go to. And also, you know, if there's things that you're just not able to work through together, there is nothing wrong with, again, seeking, speaking to your, your spiritual guides or seeking out marriage counseling. I know people that will go to marriage counseling before they get married to try to work through some of the major things because they don't even know what, what are the major things that we're going to have to work through. They don't know yet, right? So sometimes a marriage counselor can bring out those things to discuss ahead of time. And so I know couples that have done that. We didn't do that, but we had, again, like I said, we went through kind of the, the books and, and things things like that together that are super, super helpful. And some of the things that came up in our small groups, people would say, you know, we didn't know that like we discuss couples would say, we talk about everything, but we didn't know that that was a something to talk about until it came up, you know, and then it was something to talk about because sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So I think that's the key about leaving your people is that um, you've got to protect the sanctity of your marriage and your relationship and develop it. And we were thrown into that by being um, in Calgary. We were in Calgary for six years. So we were we were really away from our people. Uh, I mean, we had new people develop in our lives in, in, in Calgary, but um, but our those that we were raised up with, we left them. And, uh, and it was good. It was healthy. It was really healthy because we had to rely on each other and on God only <laughs> in everything that we did. Now let's go back to picturing the wedding day and the days leading up to the wedding day. There's so much to be done. 
Uh, you're so distracted. There's so much planning. There's so much stress. How do you stick to being intentional on your wedding day in the sense that, well, two senses, keeping the true meaning of the sacrament and still making the ceremony the main part of your day? That and then also how do we as congregants who are invited to weddings, I feel as though attending a wedding, it's become very much like, well, I can't make it to the church part, you know, the church part. So how do we keep that intention of the church part being the part, you know? Yeah. So I guess the question's the, the same, question. but on both ends. Yeah. yeah. So I'll do the first one. So we, something that we did was we kept telling each other the wedding is a day. We want to invest in the marriage. The marriage is forever, but the wedding is a day. So that carried us through that the, the wedding planning is we just kept reminding each other, we want to invest in our marriage and not in the day. Um, and so that's what we made our, our really our main focus. But still, stuff has to be planned, right? There still has to be, you know, a reception. You still have to get the dress and the, all the other stuff. And so uh, that all has to be done. I think we have to kind of um, ask ourselves whether it needs to be done with such elaboration uh, because we have, society has kind of formed us in a very elaborate way and we've kind of just gone with the flow with how society has led us. In the church, it would be nice if we could kind of stand against that a little bit and just like try to remember our focus um, and pull back a little bit. Cause I think we go crazy these days. Like it's, I'm glad I got married 20 years ago. Um, I've been, but, but 20 years ago, it was crazy too. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it's all relevant mm -hmm. to the time. So, but it was, it was getting crazy at that time. But so that, that I think to just to be quick about it is invest in your marriage and not in the day that you've got to remind yourselves that that's what's important. And I think I said before, like on the day of the wedding, be present in the ceremony. It's super, super beautiful, super beautiful. Uh, so be present present and try really, really tell your husband or your fiance, like the groom, tell each other ahead of time, let's be prayerful. Let's be mindful. Let's not focus too much on the, on the other stuff, you know, um, because it's, um, it's important to remember because some people don't even remember the ceremony. They're just so like overwhelmed by the day that they don't even remember what happened and they're just kind of going through the motions. Actually, they say that about the whole day, but I do remember the ceremony. And I have to say, even as when I got married on the day of my wedding, I was so excited. I was so excited about the reception because I thought, and I, I fell for the same thing that society taught me, like the reception is, that's the party, that's the joy, that's where it all happens, you know? That's where you're gonna like enjoy it the most. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised that at the end of the day, the one thing I said to my husband, I said, the best part of my day was the ceremony. And I am taking that away as the absolute uh, favorite moment was when it was just me and him up there on the altar and we had our we had our uh, sacrament. So it was very, very special to me. And I told everybody after I said, I, I enjoyed my ceremony the most out of the whole day. As far as congregants, we should be praying for this couple. Like we are there as witnesses. Like that is the most important part. We are we are witnessing a sacrament. Um, we are witnessing such a beautiful union. And it is our job. If we have been invited to that wedding, I know now, like it depends on how big weddings are. Although now that COVID is it, weddings are super, super small. So if you're invited, you're important, you know, because you you made you made that list. So they must be super, super close to you. It is your job to help support that couple and to really dedicate your prayer to that marriage. Uh, the It is no secret that the devil is attacking families and couples. And so commit 
to praying for that couple and on that day pray for them I like when I I read earlier the the crowning you know where that 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 part where it's the the union and we all say amen really say amen you know like believe it amen you know is like so be it um and and just pray with them don't be so concerned about your outfit and 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 uh also everything going on but stand and pray for them and and you're right you're right that the receptions have become more important than the the church, and it's really sad to see that um, that the church is empty and the reception is so full. So change that. Be a part of that change, and make sure that you are there. Uh, that your hair appointment is not during the time of the ceremony. Now, there's always circumstances. Moms with little children or whatever, you have no idea how hard it is to get your child to a wedding and put them in an outfit and, and whatever. So I understand that there are circumstances um, to every person, but but really go and and make a point of going and being there and praying for your sister or your brother who in Christ who's getting married on that day. Wow. Okay, so on to the topic of receptions. How can they add to the joy of the day and actually be a celebration of the sacrament? Also, what was yours like? So, um I think I think what is key is that the ceremony is not the holy part. And the reception is not the secular part, you know, to remember that there is no such thing as separation between holy and secular, that Christ is everywhere, that Christ is a part of everything. So don't separate the holy from the secular. All is one. Jesus attended a wedding and he didn't attend judging everybody. He was joyful. I love that, you know, wedding in Arabic is farah. It's farah, it's joy. Um, so we, so that reception is part of that joy, you know? And um, so it's not that reception equals bad, but it can, right? And it's not that, uh, you know, your, your ceremony, if you don't take it seriously, and if you're not in the right mindset, could be just as secular to you as your reception was, if you allow it to be, right? If that's what you make it to be when it is a holy time, and your reception can be a holy time. Does that mean that you have to pray Agbeya the whole time to make it holy? Well, no, that's not that's not what, what holiness means. Holiness is, is having Christ at the center. So that means Christ should be a, a reminder to you that uh, he is there and he is joyful and he brought you two together and then he united you, you know, the two of you together. And so he wants to partake in the joy with you. The Bible talks about heaven and the banquet, um, the banquet and the celebration. So Christians know how to feast. They know how to celebrate, you know, and, and Christ celebrates. He, he knows about that and he's not trying to get us to be, you know, staunch and, and whatever. My, my reception had, it was really like any reception. We did have dance and we, uh, and, and lots of joy and, and we did want to dance together and have a great time. We we included like certain certain things. He loves Depka. So and and I love <laughs> Depka. And what we love about Depka is that especially because you have elderly and young people and people of all ages, you know, like dancing together. And so we love not just to watch Depka, but to, to dance Depka. And we just think it's so special. So we love those kinds of things where everybody of all ages can participate together. And so we did a few things like that in our reception where we really wanted to honor those that had been married before us and like for many, many years. So we honored those that had been married for many years. We tried to find who 
was the oldest um, married couple in the crowd. And, and uh, I had a special, like a, a copy of my bouquet made for them. And we gave them uh, the bouquet and we wanted to honor marriage, you know, and, and so, and then we also had, we also absolutely celebrated with, with dance and, and dance can be beautiful, but dance can also be not beautiful. And so there is selections that you can choose that takes people to another level. And so I think that is the choices that you have to make as a couple, how you want to point your uh, reception um, and to have joy and to have laughter and all of that, but just to remember that Christ is there. And so you want to honor and be that king and queen that you were crowned, right? So honor that royalty and really make Christ the center. So I think there's nothing wrong with the joy. Just remember that Christ is there with you. So I guess, yeah, just making it purposeful and intentional, everything about that day. Yeah. It's beautiful. What a great way to end. Thank you so much, Claudine, for uh, joining us and for speaking about something that is kind of difficult and you did it so beautifully. So thank you you for having, we're definitely going to have you back. (laughs) Can you pray for us, please? I'd love to. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for blessing us and for being among us. We thank you for constantly teaching us and for especially your love. Uh, We pray that you continue to guide every single one of us and that you lead us, um, always guard and protect us. And may you continue to be the center of our lives. And for those that do have the blessing of going through the sacrament of marriage, I pray that you Uh, bring them to holy and godly men that can be beautiful leaders of their household. Uh, I thank you for these beautiful ladies and for all that they are doing. May you bless them, bless their words, and bless Eam to your glory through your heavenly name. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. If you liked what you heard today, visit our website, eamisher.wixsite.com slash mysite for links to the resources used to prepare for these episodes. Have a question? Want to suggest a topic? Write us on our website. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening to this and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Please keep us in your prayers. God bless.